Welcome to Red Pill Torah, calling believers from man's institutions to God's instructions. Let's talk about Peter's vision. I'm Tim. And I'm Miss. Peter's vision has an interesting connection to the Sabbath day. Let's talk about it. If you didn't know, the Torah is the first five books of the Bible. Understanding and believing the Torah gives context to the rest of the Bible. You can email us at redpilltorah at gmail.com. Find us at our website, www.redpilltorah.com. Follow us on redpilltorah.podbean.com, on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube, or wherever you hear your favorite podcasts. We love to hear from you. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And a big shalom to our listeners in Vietnam and Virginia. Every now and then, Peter's vision comes up on a podcast, but we haven't talked about it in much detail. This time, we want to talk about it in more detail and mention a connection that we see to another topic. I hope you'll ride the bus with us. We are definitely going to a good place. Amen. The story of Peter's vision has so many messages for believers today. However, I think some of the messages people attribute to Peter's vision are not supported by the Torah, God's instruction. That's why it's so important to understand and apply the Torah as context for understanding the rest of the Bible. For example, Elohim gave instructions in the Torah that he himself identified as eternal ordinances. Daddy, how are we to understand these eternal ordinances if we interpret something in the New Testament as doing away with the eternal ordinances? Well, we esteem the recorded quotation from Jehovah Elohim himself as truth. Mm -hmm. And based on that context, we seek to understand what the New Testament is saying. We can also look to the words of Yeshua HaMashiach when it comes to the Torah ordinances. In Matthew 5, verses 17 and 18, Yeshua said, Don't think that I have come to abolish the Torah or the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to complete. Yes, indeed. I tell you that until heaven and earth pass away, not so much as a jot or a tittle will pass from the Torah. Not until everything that must happen has happened. That seems pretty clear. Mm-hmm. In addition, the jots and tittles only show up in the Hebrew text. As we read our English translations of the scripture, the meaning of the jots and tittles are not conveyed. Before we try doing away with the Torah, maybe we should seek to understand it in its context and believe that Yeshua's stated intent is what he means. He did not come to abolish the Torah or the prophets. Now, let's get into Peter's vision. We find this story in Acts chapter 10. It starts with the story of Cornelius, a Roman officer described as a devout, praying man who gave to support poor Jewish people in the community. Now his household followed his righteous example. Reading from verse 3, One afternoon around 3 o'clock he saw clearly in a vision an angel of Elohim coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at the angel, terrified. What is it, sir? he asked. Your prayers, replied the angel, and your acts of charity have gone up into Elohim's presence so that he has you on his mind. Now send some men to Joppa to bring back a man named Shimon, also called Kepha or Peter. He's staying with Shimon the leather tanner who has a house by the sea. 
Now just think about how unusual this situation was. A Roman officer, a leader of the occupying army, embraced the faith of the conquered Jewish people. Now there's no documentation of whether Cornelius thought he was a Christian, a Jew, a Messianic, or whatever label we might want to assign. Whatever Cornelius was doing, he was worshiping the Elohim of Israel. And the Elohim of Israel took note of Cornelius and his entire family. Cornelius sent men to Joppa as the angel instructed him. I'll read from verse 9. It says, The next day about noon, while they were still on their way and approaching the city, Kepha went up onto the roof of the house to pray. He began to feel hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing the meal, he fell into a trance, in which he saw heaven opened and something that looked like a large sheet being lowered to the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals, crawling creatures, and wild birds. Then a voice came to him, Get up, Kepha, slaughter and eat. But Kepha said, No, sir, absolutely not. I have never eaten food that was unclean or common. Verse 16 says that this happened three times and then the sheep was immediately taken back up into heaven. Kepha was still puzzling over the meaning of the vision he had seen when the men Cornelius had sent, having inquired for Shimon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask if the Shimon known as Kepha was staying there. While Kepha's mind was still on the vision, the spirit said, Three men are looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and have no misgivings about going with them, because I myself have sent them. So Kepha went down and heard their reason for coming. He hosted them for the evening. The next day, Kepha, the visitors, and some brothers from Joppa went to Cornelius's home. When they arrived, Cornelius was ready to meet Kepha. He even had his relatives and close friends there. Cornelius, the Roman officer, fell down before Kepha and worshipped him. Now imagine the humility Cornelius had to fall down before an ordinary Jewish guy. Now Kepha pulled him to his feet and said, Stand up, I myself am just a man. As Kepha went into the house, he found the many people gathered there. He said to them, You are well aware that for a man who is a Jew, to have close association with someone who belongs to another people, or to come and visit him, that's something that just isn't done. But Elohim has shown me not to call any person unclean or common. This is the meaning of Peter's vision. I have heard some believers say that Peter's vision is proof that Elohim's people may eat anything we want because we have freedom in the new covenant. There are a few problems with that position. The scripture says that a voice spoke to Kepha. The speaker is not identified as Elohim. In fact, the voice refers to Elohim when the speaker admonishes Kepha not to call unclean or common what Elohim has cleansed, not what I have cleansed, but what Elohim has cleansed. Also, Kepha himself gave the interpretation of the vision in verse 28. Kepha said to Cornelius and his guests, Elohim has shown me not to call any person common or unclean. Then Kepha addressed them, Now I understand that Elohim does not play favorites, but that whoever fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him, no matter what people he belongs to. 
Kepha explained the good news about Messiah Yeshua. Verse 44 says, Kepha was still saying these things when the Ruach HaKodesh fell on all who were hearing the message. All the Jewish believers who had accompanied Kepha were amazed that the gift of the Ruach HaKodesh was also being poured out on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising Elohim. This is a wonderful story. It tells us that the Elohim of Israel is not partial towards any group of people. We can all receive his Ruach HaKodesh. So Tim, now that we're clear on Peter's vision, not being about a change in dietary instructions, let's get to what the vision has to do with the Sabbath. The connection goes all the way back to the creation story. Genesis chapter 2 starts at verse 1 saying, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, along with everything in them. On the seventh day Elohim was finished with his work which he had made, so he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. Elohim blessed the seventh day and separated it as holy, because on that day Elohim rested from all his work which he had created. Mama, that last verse that you read, Genesis 2, verse 3, is pretty clear. It says that the Creator blessed the seventh day and separated it as holy. The Ten Commandments were given in Exodus chapter 20. Now, out of all the things the Creator could have said, He gave the following instruction in His own voice. We can find it in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. He said, Remember the Sabbath day, to set it apart for Elohim. You have six days to labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath for Yehovah your Elohim. On it, you are not to do any kind of work, not you, your son or your daughter, not your male or female slave, not your livestock, and not the foreigner staying with you inside the gates to your property. Now, the next verse is special because Elohim shares his reason for giving this instruction. Elohim does not owe us any explanation for why he gives any instruction, so it's really special when he does. Exodus 20, verse 11 says, For in six days Jehovah made heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, but on the seventh day he rested. This is why Jehovah blessed the Sabbath day and separated it for himself. From these scriptures, we know that the Creator chose the Sabbath and set it apart for himself. We also know that he instructed his people to follow his example. Jehovah's selection of the Sabbath day makes it holy. Mm -hmm. When we say that every day is holy, or when we say that Sunday is the Christian Sabbath, we make the same mistake that Peter made. Peter thought that non-Jews could not be holy. Elohim said that the Gentiles he chose are holy. Some believers today treat the Sabbath like any other day. While Jehovah says the Sabbath is holy. So who's right here? Just as Peter had to adjust his understanding of how Elohim viewed non-Jews in order to get in line with God's instructions, believers who don't remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy need to adjust their understanding as well. So what would you do if you discovered that the way you live your life and some of your beliefs were out of line with God's instructions? Would you take the blue pill? and assume that since you were already ignoring the Sabbath, it's probably not a big deal? Or would you take the red pill 
and search out for yourself what the Creator's instructions for the seventh day mean for you, personally. Only you can answer that question. If you follow the Creator's instructions and you believe that the Bible contains His instructions, you must have clarity on what exactly He expects from you, personally. Exodus chapter 31, verse 16 says that the Sabbath is a perpetual covenant with the children of Israel. Now, can you be a believer in the Elohim of Israel and not be one of the children of Israel, either natural born or grafted in? Isaiah 66, verse 23, prophesies that the time will come when all flesh will worship before the Creator on the Sabbath. So if you're alive in this future time, would all flesh include you? And if the time is coming when all flesh will worship on the Sabbath, what would be your Bible-based reason to wait until then? What about Isaiah 56, verses 6 and 7, which promises blessings to Gentiles or strangers who embrace the Sabbath? Is that an invitation for you, personally? It sounds like one to me, Daddy. Mm -hmm. Those are a lot of really good questions. But that's all we have time for today. Please take some time to research and prayerfully find those answers. And thank you for spending 15 or so minutes with us at Red Pill Tour where you can handle the truth.